This morning, I will be tying up uh, the series, I Love, and this will be the last um, uh, part of that series, and I'm excited about it. We have uh, looked at love, and hopefully you've been walking in more love. That's a challenge for all of us, and the love we're talking about is God's love in us, His love working in us, His love working through us. And 1 Corinthians talks about His love. It says, his love bears all things, believes all things, hopes all things, endures all things. His love never fails. Right. Never fails. And I believe he's shown you his love already this morning. He wanted you to know how much he loves you. The word was he's orchestrating things for you. And um, the Bible says that not one hair out of your head will fall unless he knows about it. He loves you that much. And uh, he's got something in store for you today. We have looked at different ways to love. The first week was what it means to love God. The second week, what it, what it means to show love to our spouses. The third was how to show love to our kids. And then last week, we declared that we have a love for the house of God. And, and so this, this morning, our key text, I'm going to be reading quite a few verses if you have your Bible or your device and you want to turn there, you can go to Luke 10. Luke 10, I'm going to begin reading at verse 25, and bear with me. Again, this is a few verses this morning. And it starts out by saying, And behold, a lawyer stood up to put him to the test, saying, Teacher, talking about Jesus, what shall I do to inherit eternal life? And he said to him, What? Is written in the law. How do you read it? How do you interpret it? And the uh, verse 28, and he said to him, uh, excuse me, and he answered, you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and your neighbor as yourself. Verse 28, and he said to him, you have answered correctly. Do this and you will live. But he desiring to justify himself, said to Jesus, and who is my neighbor? So I got a feeling this lawyer has done some good stuff here recently in his life that uh, he wants to bring out before Jesus. Maybe he's, he's treated people extra nice in his gated community. Who knows? But you get a sense that he's feeling pretty good about his answer and about his life. And, and he asked, who is my neighbor? And Jesus replied, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho and he fell among robbers who stripped him and beat him and departed, leaving him half dead. Verse 31, now by chance, a priest was going down that road and when he saw him, he passed by on the other side. Verse 32, so likewise, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side, but a Samaritan. Samaritan would be one that was looked down on by Jewish people. They would be the ones that, they, that the Jewish people would actually go on the other side to get away from them. This Samaritan, as he journeyed, came to where he was, and when he saw him, he had compassion. Verse 34, he went to him and bound up his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. 
Then he set him on his own animal and brought him to an inn and took care of him. And the next day he took out two denarii and gave it to the innkeeper, saying, Take care of him, and whatever you spend, I will repay you when I come back. Verse 36. Jesus, he said, Which of these three do you think proved to be a neighbor to the man who fell among the robbers? Verse 37, he said, the one who showed him mercy. And Jesus said to him, you go and do likewise. Then I got a feeling the attorney is, I, I could be wrong, but in my story, he probably recalls someone that he shunned that needed help. And I sort of see the attorney walking away with his head down, not feeling so confident about himself. Jesus has a way to, to really bring out things in our lives, don't he? And if he does that, he always wants to help us. And today, I believe the Lord wants to help us to love our neighbor. The title of the message is, I Love My Neighbor. Let's pray. Father, thank you so much for your presence in this room. We know you are here. And you can have your way in our lives. We ask you to do a work in us Lord, thank you that you meet us where we are, but you don't leave us where we are, and we need you. Church, let's pray this together. Would you repeat it? Lord, speak to my heart. Change my life in Jesus' name. <laughs> Amen. You know, in every neighborhood that we have lived in, we've had that one neighbor. I mean, one neighbor who would refuse to cut their yard, one neighbor who would let their house become all dilapidated, and it's not about money, it's just about respecting yourself, your house, and your neighborhood, right? Now, I hate cutting my grass. I really do. I'm not that person that just loves to get out there and just enjoys the smell of, of fresh cut grass. I like the smell of Doritos while I'm sitting in my recliner. <laughs> but I cut my grass, why? Because I live in a neighborhood. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? Anybody got that one neighbor? Anybody, uh, you are that one neighbor. Would you? <clears throat> and every, neighbor, every neighborhood. So we moved to the country, six and a half acres of land. We still got a neighbor. <laughs> we got a neighbor that comes out in the morning time as we're, we're sitting on our front porch, drinking our coffee in our peaceful setting, listening to the duck fly over. We're listening to beautiful birds. And then we hear, Jake! <laughs> Come in this house! Six and a half acres of land, and we Jake! I hope our neighbor ain't watching this morning. <laughs> and you see this little white dog. This little white dog is running for his life. And I'm saying, run, Jake, run. You can get away if you just keep running fast enough. Noise travels in the country, I found out. 
You know, when we think of neighbor, we think of that person next door to us. But Jesus gives this lawyer a surprising answer. There are three factors that qualify, that, that, that must, that, that qualifies a neighbor. Three factors of a neighbor. The first one is this. Your neighbor is the person that God places on your path. The person that God puts within your reach. The road from Jerusalem to Jericho was a hard journey of 18 miles. And it was known for its rough terrain. It was known for bandits. So these four characters, one is beaten, left for dead, and there are three other people that pass him by or that come his way. And all three of those people have an opportunity to be a neighbor. Their neighbor, the way Jesus is teaching us, was the one that was hurting. So your neighbor, my neighbor, are those people that God puts in our path. God strategically places people in your path. He trusts you and me enough as his children to put people in our way, if you will, so we can be the hands and feet of Jesus to them. Isn't that wonderful? People that, it's easy to, 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 to love those, the scripture says, who love us, but some of these people may be difficult. Some of these people may be hard to love. Some of these people, if we're not careful, we might would judge and say, well, they get what they get. But these are people that God places before us, within our reach, wherever we may go. It may be at our work, it may be at the gym, it may be at the grocery store. You don't even know them. But there's an opportunity that God gives us to stretch out his arms through us to show them love. It's the one within reach that God places. Aren't you glad that God was in reach of you? That God was in reach of me? That he showed compassion on me? He came to where I was at? Jesus said in Matthew 5, you've heard that it was said, you shall love your neighbor and hate your enemy. But I say to you, love your enemies and pray for those who persecute you so that you may be sons of your Father who is in heaven. The scripture teaches us that sometimes we entertain angels unaware. That there just may have been someone that was in your path that was pretty unlovable, and they were an angel to see how you would treat them. And I probably have failed a test or two in that area. But we need to be aware that God trusts us to show his love. We are his hands and feet to them. So it's a person that God places in your path. Another factor is this, to build on that, it's the person who needs help. It's the person that we, you have the capacity to help them in some way. Now the priest saw the need and he passed by on the other side. Now, if we were undercover 2020 
and stopped him and said, well, wait a minute, we just saw you pass by this person in need, and you're a priest. I'm sure he would have given some good answers. I'm sure he would have said, well, he's unclean, and I'm on my way to the tabernacle to perform a ceremony, and I can't be unclean because I have to go do this duty. I'm sure there is some excuses like that. Maybe the, the Levite passed him by. The Levite went on the other side, and he saw the person that needs help. The Levite was a, a, a people dedicated to do the work of the Lord, so they would have been staff people at the church. And he passed by, saw the need, saw his neighbor. Jesus is pointing out that this is the neighbor, the one that needs the help. And he passes by, but the Samaritan the Bible titles him a good Samaritan. Now, if the Bible calls you good, that's pretty good, ain't it? And he saw his neighbor in need, and the Bible says he had compassion. We're going to talk about compassion in just a moment. He had this overwhelming sense, I got to do something. Jesus is drawn to those in need. And maybe you're here this morning and you've been passed by. Maybe even the church has passed over you. And you said, I'm going to give the church one more try today. I'm so glad you did. Because if God helps us, and he will, we're going to be the hands and feet of Jesus. He comes to where you are. He is the one to come to those who are in need. You don't have a need that's too big for him. You don't have, you haven't done something that he cannot forgive you of. You hear me? And he's aware of you. You got to know he will not pass you by. Other people will. People will fail you. But God will never fail you. His love never fails. Mark 2 says this, the scribes of the Pharisees, the religious folks, when they saw that he was eating with sinners and tax collectors, said to his disciples, why does he eat with tax collectors and sinners? Now, I think it's sort of funny they mix tax collectors with sinners. <laughs> the IRS agents and sinners. Sorry if you are one. Verse 17, and when Jesus heard it, he said to them, those who are well have no need of a physician, but those who are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but sinners. Jesus is drawn to those who have a need. He is, he is, the Bible says he's close to the brokenhearted and saves those who are crushed in spirit. He, he wants to meet your need. He wants to come close to you because he has compassion on you. So the third qualifying factor of a neighbor, and I've already mentioned that, is the person who gives the person who gives help. So there's the person who needs help. There's the person who gives help. And both of those are qualifying factors of a neighbor, or should we say a good neighbor. The Samaritan was looked down on, and he was a person that knew how it was to feel hurt. He knows how it is to be rejected by society. And this is so interesting. I've witnessed it, and I, I myself have witnessed it in my own life, that God knows just how to take your hurt and use that 
for a, to give you compassion for those who are hurting. He will use your mess and give you a ministry. You hear me today? And the people who are most compassionate about the hurting are those that have been hurt the most. And that's the work of the Lord in a person's life. That that, that person allows God to heal the hurt and remove the blame and unforgiveness. They let that go. I've seen it happen so many times. And God fills their hearts with love. And they are drawn to the person who's suffering like they were suffering. Because they really understand that God did it for me. Can I tell you what he can do for you? Those who have been delivered from addictions, they crave to reach an addiction. They want That's their new addiction, to tell them about Jesus, because you don't have to be that way. Isn't that so good that God does that in our lives? That he entrusts us to be, his, again, his hands and feet, his body to a world that's hurting. The person who gives help. You're a good neighbor. You don't have to have a title. You don't have to have a position. You just got to have the love of God coursing through your veins. And he will use you to do remarkable things to bring healing to lives. Don't you want that? That's your purpose. That's your purpose for being alive, to make a difference for Jesus. And can I tell you, you will be glad in eternity that you did. 1 John 3 says this, By this we know love, that he laid down his life for us, and we ought to lay down our lives for the brothers. But if anyone has the world's goods and sees his brother in need, yet closes his heart against him, how does God's love abide in him? Little children, let us not love in word or talk, but in deed. And in truth. It's not enough just to say, hey, I love you. Hey, I really, I really love you. If God has given you the ability to do something, it's a blessing for you and a healing for them to do it. God will use your offering, whatever that may be. Maybe it's to go and cut a neighbor's yard. I didn't really think about that when I was in that neighborhood. <laughs> Maybe it's to go and help out. That we have an ability to show love. So it's easy again for the people that are, and we had one neighbor that I just loved. I sort of messed it up for him one time, and uh, he came over. I, First time I ever really talked to him in detail, he came over and he said, man, you're making it hard for our brother. <laughs> like, well, man, what's going on? He said, uh, my wife is saying that you out here every morning walking your wife to the car, cranking it up, backing it out for her, <laughs> and waving her goodbye and all that. Man, you're making it hard for our brother. And had the opportunity, I said, brother, let me just tell you, it's Jesus working, and that's Jesus in your marriage. You get that. And he said he's going to come to our church. He ain't made it yet, but I don't think he will. So we're not really talking about those, those kind of neighbors are easy to love, right? 
Let's talk about how do we have the compassion for people who are hard to love. Those people that we may would be tempted because of our good excuse to pass over on the other side. There's four considerations for compassion. These are going to help us to allow that compassion to grow in our hearts. Compassion is love in action. It is feeling sympathy for someone in such a way that you say, I got to do something. Just want to meet their need. Just want to do something for them. Can we, can, well, I, brother, I can't meet the need of the world. No, we can't. But you can do something. We can do something. But it's, it's the feeling that we have to say, I got to do something. It's not, it shouldn't be a guilt trip. It's something that I moved with this love for them, and I can do something. I can do something. So to help us grow our compassion, I call it four considerations. The first one is this. We have to remember everyone has a story. We all have a past. We all have reasons, whether good or bad, that make us into the persons we are today. And I always try to think, when I see someone with questionable actions, I try to think, what is their past? What in their past makes them act that way today? Many times the people who are the hardest to love have been hurt by love so many times. So they have something and maybe, just maybe, if I walked in their shoes, I would be the same way. So before, that helps me not to just judge instantly. When I have to think about the wrong turns I've made in my life and how God came and saved me from myself. Does anybody know what I'm talking about? And if he hadn't stepped into my life the way he did, where would I be today? So it just helps us to, to remember Everyone has a story. You have some things that have happened in your life that should not have happened. They, they're hurtful things. Now, the good news is Jesus can heal you from those things, right? But we're talking about people that we don't know yet, that they don't know Jesus yet. They're just sort of hard to love. Remember, they have a story. Number two, another way to grow compassion is everyone has been scarred by sin. Along those same lines, there's scars from sin, a sinful life. My uh, brother, thankfully, my, my half-brother, you've never met him, he's passed now. But he got his life right with the Lord in his later life. But that brother done so many drugs, that brother, my brother, done so many drugs, he just did some peculiar things. And if you, I'll give you this little quick story. One time we visited a church, and he liked, it was back in the 80s, so you know the fashion was a little different back in the 80s. And I admit, I did wear Z Cavariccis. I, does anybody know a Z Cavariccis? I was fly. I mean, I knew I was. <laughs> During that stage, fashion was a little different. And he wore a tuxedo shirt that had the ruffles. And I tried to talk him out of that. I said, man, don't wear that to church. Don't wear that. 
And, uh, but he did anyway, and we went to a church that was pretty charismatic. And the preacher had a word of the Lord, <laughs> a word of the Lord that somebody here today um, needs prayer to be delivered from something. And my brother, uh, at that time, he smoked, and he wanted to, he was really trying to, he wanted to get delivered from that addiction and went down. And, and before, I, <laughs> before I know it, they circled my brother and was praying for him. And they were rebuking a homosexual spirit out of him. <laughs> and in the middle of that charismatic prayer, he was saying, no, no, it's smoking, it's smoking. <laughs> and being the good brother that I am, I never let him live that down. <laughs> we've all been scarred by sin. Sin has caused some things in our life that's been hurtful. And you understand, we, underst we understand that Jesus is our answer. But they don't know that yet. Can I tell you what really, I, I, you know, we love everybody to come to Move Church, but I really get excited about people who don't know anything about God coming to Move Church. I really get excited when I see people hurt by sin. I mean, you could tell it when they walk in the door. There's a hollowness in their eyes because I understand what's going to happen when Jesus steps in. Anybody here that has been that person that when Jesus stepped in, everything changed? Come on, let's give God praise for his work in our lives. Yes, thank you, God, that when he steps in, life comes. I know how it is to be preaching a message like this, and that person who hears these things about God for the first time, they're on the edge of their seat, and tears are streaming down their face because finally they're sensing hope. They're sensing that there is an answer. And then a person who has been saved for a long time who forgets how good it is, that same person will be sitting there going, oh. See, it excites me to see someone understand what God can do in their life. Everyone's been scarred by sin. Just me and you have been healed. They haven't had the opportunity yet. Verse Matthew 9, 36, it says, When he saw the crowds, this is our Savior, he had compassion for them. Isn't it good that he's got compassion for you? Because they were harassed and helpless like sheep without a shepherd. And I just sort of can add this to it. This is not in the scripture, but this is the way I see it. I just sort of see Jesus saying, he sees them being destroyed by the devil. And in my mind, I sort of hear the Rocky tune, Rocky theme come on. And Jesus saying, you just wait. I'm fixing to take care of your weird. pausing because I was trying to think of that cool line that Rocky said. That was to go Adrian, no. <laughs> the, age, the, the Russian said, I'm going to bust you up. Go ahead. He didn't say make my day, that was Clint Eastwood. Okay, that lost it. Fourth consideration for compassion is this. Everyone has a soul that's eternal. 
Your worst enemy has a soul that's eternal. And the truth is this, that if they don't meet Jesus, they will spend eternity in torment. It was not created for them. Hell was not created for humans. But if they do not accept the love of God and salvation, they will spend eternity there. And can I tell you this? It doesn't matter what they've done to you. If you really understand hell, and there's no way for us to, but I can promise you this, you wouldn't want that on your worst enemy. Scripture says this, above all, keep loving one another earnestly since love covers a multitude of sins. The best way to get rid of unforgiveness is begin to, to start praying for their soul. I'm talking about the person that's hurt you deeply and you're having a hard time forgiving them. First of all, you've got to because if not, your sins will not be forgiven. You can't afford that. I can't afford that. But if you want to start growing compassion for them, you remember these things. And one thing you start doing is start praying for their soul. Lord, they hurt me bad. And it's tough. And they shouldn't have. And Lord, I, inside of me, I want them to pay for it. But I don't want them to go to hell. God, please save them. Can you imagine that person that really hurt you being having the opportunity and seizing the opportunity to give their life to Christ just like you did? See, we've all hurt somebody. We've all been an enemy to someone else. Love covers a multitude of sins. And it was stretched out on the cross. And it covered your sins, his blood covered your sins, and it covered the sins of humanity. It doesn't, the hardest criminal can be forgiven. It's a funny story, and I forget the pastor's name, but he got saved in prison. He actually killed someone, and in prison he got saved. And he, he uh, was invited to church one Sunday, and that's where he gave his life to Christ. Well, he knew, everybody knew this, and it fresh being saved, everybody knew Jesus. So he would go and invite people to church. And if they didn't come, he did what he thought he needed to do. He would just knock them out, hit him, get in a fight with him. You come into church. And he would make them come to church. And he said when he prayed, he didn't know any better. It was all brand new to him. So when he prayed, he just cussed in his prayer to God. That was his language. So when he, And he heard you just talk to God. So he was just talking to God with his normal cuss words. And he grew in the Lord. And I want you to know at one time, when I heard that pastor speak, he had the largest church in Tennessee. What God can do in a life. Someone had to love him past himself. Someone had to see that this is a person, even though he's taken a soul, he's killed someone. This is a person who has a soul. This is a person who can be changed for Jesus. That brings me to my last reason. Everyone has salvation available. Every one. For God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten son that 
whomsoever. Aren't you glad? Because you were a whosoever. I was a whosoever. Whosoever believeth in him should not perish but have eternal life. You know some people around you right now, and they're hard to be around, but they are a whosoever. And if we don't show them love, can I ask us who will? If we don't show them compassion, can I ask us who will? If we don't show them mercy, can I ask us who will? The scripture says, therefore, if anyone is in Christ, he's a new creation. The old passed away. The new has come. All this is from God. Look, through who Christ reconciled us to himself and gave us the ministry of reconciliation. Everybody who's received Christ has the ministry of reconciliation. How many of us today have put our faith in Christ? Without any shame, I put my faith in Christ. Thank you. Welcome to the ministry. The scripture says you have a ministry of reconciliation. You have been reconciled to the Lord. You have that ministry to reconcile others. It says, that is in Christ Jesus, uh, that is in Christ God was reconciling the world to himself and not counting their trespasses against them, that sins, and entrusting to us the ministry or the message of reconciliation. Verse 20, therefore we are ambassadors for Christ. God making his appeal through us. We implore you on Christ, on behalf of Christ, be reconciled to God. That is our ministry. That is our message. We beg you, be reconciled to God. We implore you, be reconciled to God. We don't want you to go into a devil's hell. Please be reconciled to God. That's compassion. That's the greatest thing that we can do for the neighbor in our path. Don't just go up and preach to them, though. Show them love. Show them compassion. Earn the right to speak into their life. Sort of a modern-day parable that I'll close with. A man named Jim had a dream, and he was walking down a road that he once lived on. He saw the places that he had lived and some people that he had known standing beside this road. One person was his banker. The banker said to him, hey, remember me? I, I used to see you every Friday when you came in the bank to make your deposit. You always seemed so happy. And I've always wondered why. I have never known that kind of happiness. You know, I, I know I need Jesus. And what are you going to do about it? The banker disappeared. As he walked a little further, he, he saw another 
person on the side of the road. And it was a friend that he had lost contact with. The friend seemed to be happy to see him and called out his name. Hey, Jim, it's good to see you. It's been a while. Things have not been so great for me. I've lost everything because of my addiction. Feel trapped and lost. I know I need Jesus. What are you going to do about it? And he disappeared. Well, the man is really startled now. And he tries to go back the way he came down the road, but it, he could not. He was compelled to keep moving forward. He came upon another person that he knew from his past. This person was his neighbor from his old neighborhood. Unlike the other two people, the neighbor seemed really agitated when he saw Jim. Jim reached out his hand to shake the neighbor's hand, but the neighbor pushed it away. The neighbor said, I, I thought we were friends. I thought you cared about me. Our families used to barbecue together, and all of our conversations we had about life, about situations, you know, you never told me about your faith. You never invited me to your church. You never told me about God's love. And now I'm burning in hell. And all I needed was Jesus. And what did you ever do about it? It used to be a drama that we would do as teenagers, and I put it in the form of a letter. Now, that is one of the heaviest little skits I've ever seen. But it really grabs our attention, doesn't it? That there are people that come in our path, and all they need is Jesus. And we have the ministry of reconciliation. We can do something about it. Would you stand, please? I do want to give you these last three things because I think it's a matter of prayer to take your notes. There are three cancers to comparison. Three cancers to comparison. The first one is this. Uh, thank you, compassion. Thank you, Patty. Three cancers to compassion. The first one is this, past hurts. Today, the Lord is going to heal you if you would allow him. Hear me. Please don't allow Satan to continue to keep you from the potential God has for you. I'm not trying to, to belittle what you've been through, but you got hurts, I got hurts, all God's people got hurts. And we all need him to heal us, and he will. But Satan will keep you toting that around so long that sort of like uh, it was first Wednesday. You'll, you'll, you'll walk your journey with the Lord crippled without unseized victory. God wants to give you victory in every area. Allow him to heal those hurts. He will. He'll use it for a ministry. He will. The second one is unforgiveness. I've discussed that already. You've got to let them go. You can't afford it. 
you got to decide to forgive and ask God to give you the feelings. And you have to make up your mind, I forgive them in Jesus' name. And I pray for their soul. Begin there. I pray for their soul, and Lord, if you'll help me, I'll, I'll pray blessings over them. But let me start with their soul. And then this is so important, number three. Some people cannot have compassion for others because they have lack of self-love. The scripture, the greatest commandment, you, you understand this is the second greatest. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength is the first one. The second one is like this, Jesus said. Love your neighbor as yourself. That love is not a selfish love. It is a love for the work of God in your life. It is the love of the new person you are in God. It is the love of, of, of God in you that you love, not yourself. We all have failures. We all have shortcomings. It is the person that God created you to be. That's who you love. And until you really begin to love that person, you really can't show love to other people. So the Lord wants to help some of us with that. Hey, you failed. I failed. All God's children have failed. Ask the Lord to forgive you. Move on with the Lord. Grow in the Lord. See what God's going to do in your life. Start loving the person that God created you to be. Then you can love others. Amen? Would you bow your head just for a moment? We're going to be taking communion in just a moment. But first, let's make sure that we have given our lives to Christ. That we have committed to him everything. If you are away from the Lord, don't allow that sin to remain. It's hurting you more than you know. If you've never given your life to Christ, welcome to a new life. Today, you can commit your life to Christ, and the very Spirit of God will move into your heart, and you will be a new person in Him. And He will be there right with you wherever you go. He will help you to become just like God. Well, let me take that back. We'll never be just like God on this earth, but become more like God. We're going to pray a prayer, and we pray it every Sunday. If you're watching this message, please, don't put it off. If you feel the Holy Spirit moving in you right now, it's your invitation. And the Scripture tells us unless He invites you, unless He draws you, you will not be able to give your life to Christ. But thankfully, He draws the lost. So let's pray it together. Heavenly Father, thank you for loving me so much that you gave your life, your very life, to give me life. I'm a sinner. I need a Savior. Would you forgive me for all my sins? Would you come into my heart? Would you change my life? In Jesus' name, amen. Heads bowed just for a moment. I want to take a moment before we pray any other prayer to celebrate with you. If you just ask the Lord to forgive you, you had some sin that you needed to get rid of, or you invited Christ in your life for the first time, would you just raise your hand? Yes, 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 yes. Come on, yes, I see your hand, yes. Church, you should be getting excited, yes. Come on, can we give God a big round of applause? Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. What do I do now, Pastor? Well, you... you, you 
keep coming to church, get you a good Bible. If you want a good devotion, I got one for you that'll help you understand where you are right now and how to grow in the Lord. You just get plugged in with Jesus. Okay? You start praying. Try not to use those cuss words if you could. <laughs> the Lord still hears. Start talking to the Lord. I said it last Sunday. Commit one year to a Bible preaching church. If you don't have that, hopefully you found it today. Commit. Make it a priority. You will grow in the Lord. I believe you'll change so much that this time next year you'll have to introduce yourself to yourself. believe what God will do. It'll be wonderful. It won't be all easy. It won't be all roses. But one thing about it, he'll be with you all the way. I tell people all the time, you're going to have problems anyway. Ain't it good to know you got God with you on, on those problems? want to pray another prayer. There's, I hit on three things, and I know there's some that need healing. There's some that needs forgiveness. There's some that need to learn to love yourself. And the Lord is going to help you today if you will allow him. I'm going to ask you to bow your head one more time. And you would say, Pastor, I need help in one of these areas. I need the Holy Spirit to do that for me. Would you just raise your hand? Don't be ashamed. Yes. Yes. Past is forgiven. That past is fixing to be gone in Jesus' name. I feel that in my bones. I want you to ask the Lord, just whatever area it is, I want you to ask the Lord to help you, okay? Help me, Lord. Help me. Help me in Jesus' name. Lord, you see their hands and they're praying. Help them now. <laughs> you will. You are. Help them now in the mighty name of Jesus. Sins forgiven. Hurts healed. Father, I thank you that that past is forgiven. You're going to use them in those areas. Thank you for that. That's your good work. That's what you do. That's just what you do. And we thank you for that. In the mighty name of Jesus. Amen. Amen. And let's take communion together. This is an ordinance of the church. The right of a child of God to do. Well, Pastor, I just committed my life to Jesus this morning. Welcome to the family. You can take communion. But I just sinned this morning. Welcome to the family. If you ask the Lord to forgive you. Jesus tells us that when we do this, we should do this in remembrance of him. And we should do that in remembrance of his coming, that he is coming back for us. When, hear me before we take communion. When the Lord tells you to do something and you obey, there's a special blessing that comes from that obedience. So sure enough, this is just grape juice and a stale cracker. <laughs> but because we're doing it in the name of the Lord, I believe a special touch on your life when we do this. The same with water baptism. If you haven't been baptized in water since you have committed your life to Christ, we will have, now that the weather's getting better, we'll have another water baptism. You want to do that. The Bible says to do that. Jesus did it. And there's a special blessing. I believe God can heal your body as you're taking communion. I believe God can break an addiction as you're taking communion. As you're obeying Him, not a ritual, but obeying Him, committed first to Him, 
but you're doing this in honor of him because he told you to. I believe there's a special touch. We're going to believe that today. As we take the bread together, symbolic of his body that was beaten for you, symbolic of those stripes on his back, that when Peter saw him, he said, by his stripes, we are healed. If you have a sickness in your body today and you need a healing, would you just raise your hand up to heaven? Matter of fact, let's raise the hand we got the bread in, okay? Raise it straight up to heaven. Now, Lord, this is in remembrance of our healing. You are our healer. And we thank you for healing our bodies. Every sickness healed in Jesus' name. You paid the price already. We're going to claim it. And we thank you for it. Heal my body. Ask the Lord, heal my body in Jesus' name. And Lord, let it be done today as we take this communion. And we'll give you praise for it. Amen. Let's take it together. the juice is symbolic of his blood. Remember, everyone has salvation available. One of my favorite church memories, you know, you're a pastor of the church and your kids growing up in church, you have church memories. And this is when Move Church was early years and we had communion and we used to have the little individual cups and after service, Nick was probably 11 or so. And he said, Dad, it was after service, there's communion left up there. He said, can I drink all the grape juice left over? I said, oh, yeah, sure, man. That's a perk for being a pastor's kid, having to stay there them long hours. So he's up there taking them cups. But one thing I told him before I said, yeah, I said, well, we've already poured it. Because it hit me. That Jesus' blood has already been spilled. It's already been poured for the sins of all mankind. We are the ones to let them know. Let's make sure we do that. Amen. Thank you, Jesus, for forgiving us. Thank you for forgiving the world. Thank you for the ministry of reconciliation. We don't have to have a degree to tell others what we've experienced. Help us to do that as you put them in our path. Help us to be faithful to tell them the good news about Jesus. Amen. Come on, let's drink it together. Patty told me one time, I think she told me, somebody did, that the communion should be better. And I'm thinking, not at least to be memorable. It really, it really does. Amen, y'all. God is so good to us, ain't he? Easter is coming up. Uh, there's another series that I'll be starting that I'm excited about the, the three weeks before Easter and Easter Day called Passion. So we, we threw a love there, but we're going to be talking about it's the Passion Week, the events of Passion Week. And we're going to learn to be people of passion, of being passionate about God. Amen. So invite some friends, invite some family. Uh, it's going to be just a wonderful time together. Let me bless you now. May the Lord bless you and keep you. May he make his face shine upon you and be gracious to you. May he turn his face toward you and give you peace. God bless you. Have a great day.